can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? All right, all right, man, today. How many is ready for our second sermon in the 90s series? Are you ready? All right. We're doing the second sermon of our 90s series. And last week we talked about the Fresh Prince. We led in talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but we really took it to the Fresh Prince of Egypt. Talked about Moses and his story, his life. If you missed that, go online, listen to it. It's a great, great story as we learn from the Fresh Prince of Egypt. Now today... I want to talk about the second part of this 90s story. Uh, 1990 came around. I graduated in 89, headed right into my college years in the early 90s. In the early 90s, man, it, it was good years. But we've come right into, how many remember the Desert Storm? Remember the 90s? Come right into Desert Storm, into the 90s, and we had, for the first time, we had a, a war being fought on live television. We'd get, remember we'd get uh, briefings every night, updates every night. From uh, Storm and Norman, Colonel Storm and Norman, and Colton Powell, they would be giving us these briefings and telling us up to date what's happening, real time warfare. It was an incredible uh, time in the 90s as we entered to a different stage of, of war. Uh, how many remember this picture? OJ in the white Bronco! How many remember that white Bronco? Now today, I know you guys think it's pretty common to watch live PD and watch highway patrol chases on helicopters. It's a common thing on your phone. You can watch it on TV. But back then, this didn't happen very often. And the whole country stopped one evening when OJ took off running for the border or wherever he was going. Not Taco Bell, but he was heading somewhere trying to get out of town. And the whole country was stopped and watched, glued to TVs. People were stopping wherever they were at, whether it was in a department store, at work, at a home, uh, on the street. And they had things showing this live broadcast of OJ running from, from the police in that right Bronco. How many remember, there was a lot of, a lot of tragic deaths in the, the 90s as well. We have people like icons like Princess Di and, uh, JFK Jr. and his new bride, uh, Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of Nirvana. I mean, we had these, uh, great icons who, who passed away much too early. The 90s also brought us a lot of great music, right? A lot of great music in the 90s. Now, the, the first, one of the first hits in the 90s, as we rolled into the new decade of the 90s, was MC Hammer was coming fresh off. How many remember Hammer Time? And those pants, man. Remember those pants, those long Hammer pants that hung down to here, big baggy things? Man, and uh, he had great hits like Too Legit to Quit and You Can't Touch This and Pray and different things like that. Uh, he started off the 90s, had a lot of great musicians and singers uh, in the middle of all that, in the very last, very, very last part of the 90s, we had a young, fresh face off the Disney Channel coming to us, and her name was Britney Spears. I remember when Britney looked like this. <laughs> yeah, Britney said she had, a, uh, she had a hit called Oops, I Did It Again. And I was thinking about that because the reason why it reminded me, because I remember back in uh, 2001 at Christmas, we were actually... Uh, filming our kids and they were singing. Melissa and Preston were singing like Christmas songs to Jesus, you know. We're recording them. They're singing Christmas carols and happy birthday to Jesus. 
And then we came Preston's turn. My, my oldest son, Preston, now takes care of all of our media. And some of you want to know how he got the start. Well, you're going to see. We're watching this. And what happened was this. Preston said, now, I want to sing. It's my turn to sing. And instead of singing a Christmas song, he goes, I want to sing a different song. And he broke into, oops, I did it again. And, of course, we all died laughing. It was great. And wouldn't that be great to have that here this morning? How many think we ought to show that this morning? I think we actually have a clip just to embarrass my son. Okay, sing it. Preston, look media right there. Oh, yeah, a good job right there, Preston. You know, if you can't embarrass your kids, what can you do, right? All right. Today, you know, we're talking about, I want to talk to you about the thought of you can't touch this. You can't touch this. We're going to look at this classic song. Really, we're talking about a classic story of Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. Great story here. We're going to title it, You Can't Touch This. You know, we're going to find the story here of Samson and Delilah. Now, I want you to realize what's happening, setting up this story, is the children of Israel, remember the fresh prince last week, he led them to the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert. God brought him out to bring his people, deliver them in the promised land. They're having great success. God had given them a lot of victory in war. They had a lot of financial blessing coming their way. And uh, they would begin to say, you know what, man, we've done all this. We are so good. We, and they would, it happened, this cycle would happen over and over again. They would take their eyes off of God and they would start putting their eyes on what they've done and start saying, oh, I, I'm a God. And they start building their own idols and, and building their own gods. And then God would have to raise up somebody, the enemy, and let the enemy come in. The Philistines oftentimes would come in as an enemy, and they would regain control of the wealth or of the land or of the crops, and then they would have to humble themselves back down and be like, oh, man, all these wicked idols, all these things, getting our focus off of this. Let's get back to our attention, back to God where it needs to be. And God would then repent, they would humble themselves, and then God would raise up a judge and we hear about these judges that God raised up in the Bible. And the last judge that he raised up in this particular name, judge, was really a deliverer. And he would bring them up and to bring them up and bring them out. And so he raised up Samson as one of the last judges in the Bible. And he brought people like Samson and they would deliver uh, the children of Israel from the hand of the Philistines or of their enemies and of uh, Pharaoh, whatever it was, he used Moses as one of them. Remember that story last week? And this book in Judges, we see where Samson raises up, and God uses Samson to deliver the people. But then he would deliver them, and then they would humble themselves. God would deliver them, and then they would start rebuilding again, and then they start having more success again, and then success would lead them to getting their eyes off of God again, and they get their eyes on themselves and what they've done, their own idols, and then they repeat this whole cycle. God would let the enemy come in, kill and destroy from them, and then they had humbled themselves back down, they repent, and then God would send a deliverer. And so we see this whole thing happening over and over and over again. This is what they were living in. And I just want to tell you that we got to realize today that uh, we got to look at the blessing. 
Because success, today's success, can become a threat to future success. Today's success can become a threat to future success. If we start having success, oftentimes we take our eyes off of God and we say, man, I'm anointed. Yeah, I'm blessed. And then we start looking at what I've done and what we've done. And we start looking at things and we get our eyes off of God. And it can keep us from walking in future success. It can lead us down a path of great failure, of hitting rock bottom in our life. Because we get our eyes off of what God's wanting to do in the future. And we start coming full of ourselves, letting pride rise up. And we got to remember that we're called to stay humble. We're called to say, pride, you have no room in my mind. You have no room in my life, no room in my heart. Because the Bible says that God resists the proud. He resists pride and he exalts the humble. And today, if we have any success at all, it should be God because of your grace. God, because of your great blessing in my life. It's all because of you. If anything good has happened to me, if anything good has happened through me, it's because of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy, and the blessing of the Lord. And if I don't humble myself, it may not continue. I've got to continue to humble myself and allow God to work in my life. It's an attitude. And so we see the story of Samson. Now, Samson had superhuman strength. We see, you know, we see a lot of movies about people like this, but this was a guy who actually lived, who actually walked in the earth, who God empowered with super strength to come and deliver his people. There was a story about Samson that one time when the enemies had surrounded him, that he picked up the jawbone of a donkey. And he defeated and killed a thousand men with this jawbone. Think about that. That should get your blood pumping, guys, right now. There should not be a man in this room right now that you should be like, oh, yeah, right there. It should get you pumping right there. You know, I just seen yesterday where Rock, all five of the Rocky movies are now on Netflix. My, all, immediately my blood was like, yeah, right there. And when I hear this story, it gets me pumped in the same way because it's an incredible story where God used one man to, to kill a thousand enemies just with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, he used him to do so many great and mighty things deeds of strength and did these great things and God used him to kill a lion with his bare hands and he killed a lion with his bare hands ripped it and just opened it right up bam I mean he did some great strength one time he was in the enemy territory and they thought you know what we heard Samson's here so let's lock the city gates and in the morning before the sun comes up we're going to go and we're going to ambush him we're going to attack him we're going to kill him Samson heard about this he walks out in the middle of the night grabs a hold of the gates of the city. Now, remember, the gates of the city this time were built as fortress to keep the enemies out, okay? They were there to keep the enemies out. They were not just some thin door that was put up. These were fortified, heavy, big-time barriers that were put up to keep the enemy out. He reached up and grabbed the gates of the city, rips them off the hinges, and takes them out and holds them up in front of all the highest point of the land outside. And he waves it at them. He mocks them. And he's like, you guys thought you guys were going to ambush me? And he's out there waving these skates of the city around. I mean, incredible feats of strength that he did. And today, he was a real character that God had used as a deliverer to bring deliverance to his people. 
His enemies knew his great strength. Samson's enemies knew that, man, God used him greatly with strength. But you know what? His enemies also knew his greatest weakness. His enemies also knew his greatest weakness. And it's very easy for us to figure out. We don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out Samson's weakness because he's only talked about in a few chapters of the Bible. And when we get there and look at it, everyone is really similar. Samson saw a girl. Samson was hanging out with a prostitute. Samson was hanging out over here with this girl. He saw this girl, and she looked good to him. Go get her for me, Mom and Dad. I mean, all these things he was doing. And uh, today we knew that this was his vice. This was his weakness. And today Samson had taken a vow before God as a Nazarite vow. This is where his strength lied. It says as a child he was given as a Nazarite vow, which simply means this. He couldn't touch any dead thing. He couldn't drink any alcohol, and he couldn't cut his hair. There was his Nazarite vow to the Lord, and within it we found his strength was there. And so we see something happening here. Let's pick it up in Judges 16, 4 and 5. It says that sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Delilah. There's always a Delilah, isn't there? Who lived in the valley of Sarek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson. Why? Because they knew his weakness. They knew he was he was weak for a beautiful lady. And so they said, listen, Delilah, go go entice him. And I tell you what, it makes him so strong. And have him tell you the, the secrets of his heart so he can be overpowered and tied up securely. And then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, you know, Delilah gets a bad rap in the story. You know, but can you imagine being a lady in this time? And the leaders of the city come to you and say, we need your help to defeat our greatest enemy. And we're going to make sure that we're going to pay you this great bounty. And all you got to do is use your beauty to entice him to share the secrets of his heart. I can see why she was intrigued. I can see why she was so willing to, to step up and try to be a help in defeating the enemy of their, of their land. For 20 years... He had been the enforcer. He had been the deliverer. And now the enemy is trying to entice him. So how do we continue to experience God's success, continue success in our life without falling into the traps of success? How do we experience success and continue to have success in our life without falling to the trap of success? Number one, write this down. Take care of the small things. Take care of the small things. Your integrity matters to God. Your integrity matters to God. And so often we ignore the small things. Samson ignored small things in his life. The Bible says that, man, he often showed disrespect by leaving his families. His father tried to keep him accountable. His father tried to teach him the ways of the Nazarite vow. And he often turned his back and went a different way. But I want to go hang out here. I want to hang out with this party. I want to be over here with this. I want to be over hanging out with these people. I want to be over. And he would left and he would always get himself in trouble. And he would take care of the small things. No, he couldn't touch any dead thing. Well, the Bible says that he killed that lion with his bare hands. But on the way trip back. That dead carcass was laying aside and some bees had made some honey inside that carcass. So he went in and began to eat out of that carcass. 
You know, and I, think about that. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but he had made a vow to God that he would never touch any dead thing. And here he was now eating the honey out of this dead lion. I mean, it, it seems like it may be sweet at the time. It seems like a sweet deal at the time. It seems like something that it's great and it looks good and it feels good and I want this in my life. But you know what? We gotta be careful of the vows we're making to God. We make vows before the Lord. We say, God, I'm gonna serve you. God, I'm gonna live for you. God, I'm gonna be honor my marriage. God, I'm gonna honor you, Lord. I'm gonna honor and I gotta, these small things, they matter to the Lord. Small things matter to God. He said, you know what, I'm not supposed to have any alcohol. But he went to a wedding party where alcohol was being served. He drank. He drank too much. He started feeling really cocky. So he made this riddle up about the lion and the honey. And there's no way these guys can figure it out. But they figured it out, got the answer, came back. And he had to go back and had to repay the debt. Had to catch all these foxes. Remember, he catch all those foxes. He had to let them loose and kill the fields. And had to get all those clothing from the enemy and bring them back. I mean, it was a really big deal. And it all happened because he broke his vow. If he hadn't been drinking alcohol, he never would have made that poor decision. He never would have made that bet that cost several people their lives. It's the small things that matter to the Lord. It's the small things. Look at this statement. Samson's mistake was simply this. Because he was strong in one area, he assumed he was strong in another area. And for many of us, that's kind of where we live our life. You know what? I'm strong in this area. You know, God's blessed me in this area. And so I must be strong. I'm, God's blessed me in every area of my life. And we gotta realize just because we're strong in one area doesn't mean we're strong in every area of our life. We gotta stay humble before the Lord. We gotta resist pride that tries to come in. We start seeing success in the area of our life. Doesn't mean I'm where I need to be in every area of my life. Pay attention to the small things in our life. Pay attention to the small vows we make to the Lord. The Bible says we must humble ourselves. The more I humble myself, the more God can exalt me. But the Bible says the more I have pride, the more God will resist me. That's the formula. God can use us no matter how weak we are. Listen to me. God will use you and can use you no matter how weak you are. But the one thing that God refuses to use, look at this statement. The only thing that God will stop from using us is pride. The only thing that can stop God from using us is pride. Are you hearing me today? Pride will keep us from being used of God. The weak, the broken, the humble, God can use you. I mean, the Bible talks about many people who had great failures in the Bible and in their personal lives that God used in a great way. I mean, he once even spoke through a donkey. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you. Uh, it's, it's, God can use anybody, but he resists the proud. When we have pride coming in our life, God resists us, and, and God doesn't want to use and won't use those who are full of pride in their life. Stay humble. Stay humble before the Lord. So Samson falls in love with this woman. She begins to act kind of, kind of dumb. Can, can, can you see this happening now? She's got Samson there, and she's probably twirling her hair. Samson, come on, tell me. Samson, batting them eyes, twirling her hair. Tell me where your strength really lies. What, what makes you weak, Samson? 
And he went along with her for a while, and he made up all kinds of crazy stories. Well, if you take fresh bowstrings and you tie me up with these bowstrings, I can't get out of that. And she did that when he fell asleep, and he'd wake up, and she's like, Samson, the enemy's upon us. And he would jump up and pop them like they were nothing. Samson, you lied to me. Oh, I told you the wrong thing. Okay, it's when you use new rope or you use this certain kind of rope or you do it this way. He came went through all these different things. And then he's like, okay, it's my hair. But when you braid my hair in a certain pattern and you weave it this certain way, it takes away all my weakness. And she did that. And he would get up, of course, every time and it never stopped him. And finally, she got so frustrated with him. She started to nag him and cry. Samson, if you love me. Samson, if you really love me, you'll tell me the heart of the weakness. You'll tell me the truth about your weakness. She played that card, guys. If you really love me. Now look what happened in Judges 16, 17. Look what happened after she did this. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Some translations say he shared all that was in his heart with her. And I wonder today, what would happen if we learned to share our full heart with the Lord? Our enemy doesn't deserve a full heart. Here he was with this spy. Here he was with a woman who was a part of the enemy camp. And he's now opening up, sharing every secret of his heart. No, let me make it very clear to you. Our heart belongs to the Lord. He wants all of our heart. My enemy doesn't deserve my heart. My enemy won't protect my heart. My enemy won't nurture my heart. My enemy will destroy my heart. My enemy will destroy my life. He goes on to tell her, my hair has never been cut. He confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. So as I look at this, I think of two things. First of all, Samson is either really dumb or really arrogant. I used to think, Tim, that he was really dumb. I was like, how stupid can you be? She keeps telling you, asking you. You tell her and she does exactly what you tell her. So if you tell her, cut my hair, I lose my strength. She's going to cut your hair when you fall asleep because she just did it. And you know what? I believe that Samson really wasn't dumb. I believe instead Samson was really arrogant because he was at the point where he was like, you know what? I touched the dead thing. It didn't hinder my strength. I broke the vow of drinking alcohol and it didn't hinder my strength. I left the covering of the family. That didn't hinder my strength. He had gotten so used to thinking because the power of God was still moving through him that he could do anything he wanted and it wouldn't affect him. He thought that, you know what, if this vow gets broken, it's no big deal. My strength will still be there. His arrogance led to his downfall. His arrogance to believe that he was above failure. There's no way I can fail. His past success was his greatest downfall. How many of us, our past success or our current success can lead to our greatest downfall? 
We get our eyes off the Lord and we get our eyes on ourselves. Look what I've done. Look what I'm accomplishing. And the second thing, you got to plug into God's strength. Plug into God's strength. For many of us here, this is the way we look like in our life. What's wrong with this picture, huh? What's wrong with this? This power strip is plugged into itself. If you saw somebody trying to plug the power strip into itself, would you laugh? Yes. Why? Because it doesn't work that way, does it? You can't plug in to yourself. The source comes from the power. And then you can plug into it. But the first, you've got to plug into the power. But for many of us, this is the way we live our life. We're plugging into ourself. In my own power, I can handle this. In my own power, I can do this. In my own power, I accomplish this. In my own power, I'll see myself through. In my own power, I'll see myself out. Now listen, there's nothing wrong today with being self-motivated, staying positive, and have a drive and a will to win. All those things are great, but we must realize today that I am nothing without the power of God in my life. I am nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I must plug in to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. God, i got to plug into you before I plug into anything else. God, I must plug into you and your Holy Spirit before I plug into anything else. This is how I live my life. This is how I go from success to success without burning out. When I plug into myself, I lose power. We try to do many things in our life on our own strength. If you ever said this, if you want something right, done right, do it your what? Yeah, you ever said that? Anybody ever said that? Okay. How many of you are just really impatient people? Come on, raise your hand. You're impatient, okay. How many of you are perfectionists? Have perfectionist test tendencies. Anybody here? Okay. Then I'm probably preaching to you today because I'm preaching to myself. All right. This may be you. We have a tendency to plug in to ourselves if we're not careful. Delilah got Samson to tell her where his strength really lied in his hair. And look what happens now in Judges 16:20. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come up to capture you. Now she's cut his hair off. She wakes him up. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. What a tragedy. He didn't realize that God's spirit had left him. So the Philistines, they captured him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza. And they were forcing him and bound him with chains and forced him to grind around the grain mill. And they put him up, he was blinded, and chained, and he would have to push that mill, that grain mill, in front of everybody. And they had people mocking him, beating him, spitting on him. This once great warrior who defeated a thousand men in one battle by himself is now being led around by children, being mocked by the weak, being mocked by his enemies because he didn't realize. He didn't realize that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. And I think for many of us, this is kind of our downfall. 
We can come into a, a service like today and we feel the Spirit of God moving. And we're like, man, I feel God's Spirit. I must be okay. I feel God's Spirit. I must be charged. I feel God's Spirit. He must be moving in my life. And I want to tell you, it's more than a feeling. The power of God is more than a feeling in my life. It's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing in my life. I should be saying, God, I want to plug into you. God, I want to plug into the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me every day. Holy Spirit, do something fresh and new in my life. God, I am nothing without you. Fill my tank, Lord. God, fill my life, Lord. Fill my heart, God. It's an everyday thing. But we come in and we're like, you know, I, I feel God's presence, so I'm okay. I'm okay. And, and we can be slowly dying away spiritually and not even realize it. And we think we're okay because I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit. And then when we really get into a battle and we need the Lord, we realize, man, I haven't done, I've done a lot of, I've ignored a lot of the small things. I've ignored the small things like just praying every day in my life. I've ignored just putting the word of the Lord hiding in my heart. Just a couple of small verses a day in my life. I've ignored those things of putting my mind in the right place on God. I've ignored the small things in my life. It's important. The small things, they, they matter in our life. The small things, they really make a difference in our life. Samson finding himself hitting rock bottom. Samson finds himself at the rock bottom. But look at this. Rock bottom can be your launching pad if you will humble yourself. You may be hitting rock bottom today. Maybe you've hit rock bottom. Maybe you're experiencing rock bottom as I speak today. And let me tell you, rock bottom can become your trampoline if you'll just humble yourself and let God exalt you again. Humble yourself and say, God, I need you again. God, I need you to feel me. God, I need you. It becomes a launching pad for my life. Samson had a different thing happen here. Judges 16, 22. The story doesn't end because the Bible says before long, his hair began to grow back once again. Think about this. Here he is grinding around the mill with his eyes blinded. His head was shaved. He was beaten. His strength taken from him. And I can imagine as he went around that mill, being mocked, being beaten, he said, God, how did I let myself get to this place? God, I'm sorry. I'm sure him and God had a lot of long stories. God, I'm sorry for thinking I could do things in my own power. God, I'm sorry I didn't keep my vows to you. God, I'm sorry I didn't honor you. God, I'm sorry I let pride come in. God, I'm nothing without you. But God, I need you once again. God, grow back my strength once again. And as he pushed around that, he began to grow muscles once again. He was picking up strength, exercising every day. And his hair began to grow back. And God began to move once again in his heart. And he felt the spirit of God empowering him once again he knew this thing that used to be hard to push I can push it with ease right now I'm not letting the enemy know this but I felt my strength coming back I'm feeling faith rising again and one day they called him out the center court bring him into the biggest convention area they had there and there was thousands of the enemies there and they were mocking him and they, they brought Samson out to mock him like they did often and as the little kid brings him out they're spitting on him. They're hitting him. They're doing all kinds of these crazy things to abuse him. And he says, little boy, 
You know, the, he was familiar with this place. He said, take me to the main pillars in the very center of the room. He takes them and he, so I can lean. And he begins to lean on those pillars and he realizes I'm in the very center holding the very pillar that's holding up this whole room. And once again, he repented, God, allow your spirit to move through me once again. And he pushed those pillars apart. And in that one day, in that one moment, even though it cost him his life, he defeated more numbers of the enemies on that one moment than he had done his whole life past. See, God is not done with you if you'll just fall to your knees and say, God, I need you. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm a sin. God, I've broken my vow. God, I've let pride rise up. God, God, I repent before you, almighty God. I repent before you. God, regrow my heart again. God, regrow my faith again. And the spirit of the living God will rise you up once again. And what was mean for your destruction, God will raise you back up to have another impact if you just will get to your knees. But you don't have to stay there. You can rise back up again because where faith is, the spirit of the Lord is there. Where grace abounds, God's presence is there. But you've got to humble yourself. You've got to humble yourself. Don't allow... The pride to keep you out. God wants to grow your strength back. Failure is not final. Your failure is not final. I'm going to ask musicians to come this way. Samson regains his strength. This time pride is replaced with humility. No matter how far you've fallen... If you will humble yourself before the Lord, he will strengthen you again. As we close today, I'm reminded of the story of the Titanic, the unsinkable ship. Many of you have seen the movie, you've read the articles, maybe you've gone through the artifacts, museums. Built to be unsinkable. They used the best and thickest metal that had ever been used in any ship. And as they studied it later and had a chance to find the wreckage and find out what really happened, they've done analysis and how did this unsinkable ship sink so fast just by hitting an iceberg? Because it was designed, if it had, if it had really hit an iceberg that, that busted a hole in it, it would have been a slow leak. It would have been a much slower sinking process. There would have been time to call out for help and to get more boats there. There would have been more time to rescue people. But it, it sank so fast. And they went, Why did it sink so fast? And as they researched, they found out instead of using the top grade boats they should have used, the rivets they used were cheap grade rivets. And when they hit the iceberg, the rivets could not withstand that pressure and it opened up the whole bottom, allowing all that water to come in at a rapid pace. It was those little small rivets that sank the Titanic. Listen, don't, don't ignore the small things in your life. Don't ignore the, the small sins in your life. Don't ignore the small vows that you're not keeping before the Lord. Don't ignore the, the small things that you're neglecting in your life. They mean, they mean a lot. They add up. I want you to bow your heads today. 
as you do, I want to ask you the most important question you've ever been asked in your life. It's the question that every one of us must answer. The question is this. Today, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The Bible says if you want to be a Christian, you must first of all believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. That he was the Son of God. He rose again on the third day from the grave. But it's not enough just to believe it. The Bible says you must confess it with your mouth. Well, Pastor, I'm waiting until I change some things first. I got a lot of things I got to change before I can come to God. No, you'll never be ready. You'll never be good enough on your own. You come to God as you are today and let God begin to change you. Let God begin to change the areas you need to change. Now, today, His grace is here, His love is here to change your life forever. I won't embarrass you. I won't do anything to single you out, I promise. Without anybody looking, just me today. If you're here, say, Pastor, I'm ready to ask Jesus into my life where I'm sitting today. Can you just raise your hand let me know it's you. I'm ready to accept Jesus. Come on, raise it for me to see. Come on, raise it high. Thank you. Anybody else want to join him? One more time. If you haven't raised it, raise it right now. Last time I'm going to ask, raise it right now. If that's you, you're ready. Thank you. I see that hand. Let's pray this prayer out loud. For those of you who raised your hands, I want you to say it out loud. And for those of you today who are Christians sitting around you, we're going to say with you to help you along. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. From this day forward, I will follow after you. I will live my life for you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say welcome to the family of God. Come on, big hand clap for those people. This is why we're here today. Thank you for making that decision. If you made that decision today, we invite you to stop by our hub as soon as we end our service today. That garage door will be open. You can get a free Bible, some other information we want to put in your hands today. Thank you so much. I'm going to invite you across the room. Let's stand up today. How many say, Pastor, man, you were speaking to me in one of these areas. At least one of these areas, you were speaking to me. Raise your hand if I was you today. Pastor, come on. That's all right. Yeah. Come on. We all can deal with pride. We can all neglect the small things, right? Don't let it be your downfall. Humble yourself before the Lord. Plug in to the Lord. Plug in to the Lord. Plug in to the Lord. Come on. Let's sing a song in closing. Let's let it ring as our anthem today. thank you as we humble ourselves before you today. God, we pray for grace and mercy. God, we thank you that, God, any good thing that comes to us or through us, God, it comes from you today. The maker of heaven and earth, God, you are our source of strength. You are our power today. God, may we never forget that, God, today you are in control of our life. Feel us fresh and anew every day of our life. God, may we learn from the mistakes of Samson. God, may we also be encouraged, Lord, from the grace of Samson as well today. And God, we look to you for our strength, and we praise you together. We say amen. Come on, give God a hand clap if you receive that word today. 
Now listen, we love you. Thank you so much for being here today. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, and say, God is good. Have a great rest of your week, guys.